Folks, we got a massive story today. The head of the CIA meeting with Jeffrey Epstein. This explains everything that we were never supposed to know. But before you do that, folks, I want to make sure that you go over to the POSO Daily Brief, humanevents.com slash POSO. Sign up. It's completely free. You will get all the emails, all the articles once a day. It's so simple. You want to be scrolling around on social media all day long to look for this stuff. Just go to humanevents.com slash POSO. The POSO Daily Brief delivered straight to you right in your inbox. It's fantastic. You're going to love it. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is May 1st, 2023, Anno Domini. Today's top story, Jeffrey Epstein, we now know, held a secret meeting with the head of the CIA. Pretty simple, pretty normal. Next up, new details emerge in the FBI church surveillance scandal. And finally, the New York Times profiles Mike Lindell. We got to talk about that one. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. The Wall Street Journal has published a bombshell new report on Jeffrey Epstein's private calendar, including previously unseen schedules, emails, and contacts detailing the wide circle of elites who associated with Jeffrey Epstein years after he was convicted of sex crimes in 2008. CIA Director William Burns had three meetings scheduled with Epstein in 2014 when he was Deputy Secretary of State. A CIA spokesperson told the Journal that the two men had, quote, no relationship. White House counsel for the Obama administration, Catherine Rumler, had dozens of meetings with Epstein in the years after her White House service and before she became a top lawyer at Goldman Sachs Group Incorporated. She said she regrets ever knowing Epstein. Leon Botstein, the president of Bard College, invited Epstein, who brought a group of young female guests to the campus. He told the journal he was trying to elicit a donation from the disgraced financier. And then there's Noam Chomsky, the famed leftist political activist and professor who is scheduled to fly with Epstein and to have dinner at Epstein's Manhattan townhouse in 2015. He maintains his relationship with Epstein is, quote, no one's business and that they discussed academia. Well, another completely insane and yet also completely not surprising to anyone who's been paying attention update on the death of Jeffrey Epstein. Yes, it turns out that Jeffrey Epstein's network included, and I know this is gonna be so hard for so many people to accept, that Jeffrey Epstein's secret network included the head of the CIA. That's right, Bill Burns, when he was Obama's deputy secretary of state, held (laughs) a secret meeting with Jeffrey Epstein. Following this meeting, and the Biden administration took power, Burns, same guy, magically somehow gets promoted to the head of the CIA. In terms of everybody, in terms of everyone out there in the world who they possibly, or let's just say the country, okay, so we're talking about the pool of people in the country that could be available for the job of the head of CIA, head of the Central Intelligence Agency, America's most highly classified secrets are all known to this person. America's most highly sensitive, highly classified operations are known to this person. This kid, Jack Teixeira, he's being prosecuted. He's gonna go to jail for leaking, blowing the whistle onto Discord, lies about the Ukraine war. But 
if you're the head of the CIA, you can have meetings with Jeffrey Epstein. And that's exactly the situation we live in. Once you understand the truth about the people that are running this country, we can start to understand why things are the way they are when we understand that these leaders, these officials, these people in positions of authority are being blackmailed. Catherine Rumler, another meeting, another person who was meeting with Epstein, says that she she was a former White House counsel to Obama. It's <laughs> just wonderful. And uh, she met with Epstein. This is great. This is actually one of my favorite parts. She met with Epstein about getting a job with Bill and Melinda Gates for their foundation. Isn't that nice? Isn't that so sweet? So when I when I go through the rest of this, folks, and you go through, and there's so many names here, and they mentioned some of them in, in the clip earlier, Chomsky, uh, Borstein, Rothschild Group, Prince Andrew. When when you when you go back and look at this, specifically the head of the CIA meeting with Epstein. We need to be very clear about what Epstein ran. And it is looking more and more. The reason everybody asked what his client list was is because it's very simple. Even to this day, no one can understand how Epstein made his money. He didn't seem to actually be managing this wealth in any way whatsoever. So he was a financier of what? What did he finance? What were his deals? Did he have a brokerage firm? Did he have a hedge fund? Did he have any of these things? No one can seem to figure it out. Well, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like he was running a blackmail ring. And it looks like that blackmail ring that he was running was not being done for his own personal benefit. Yeah, the wealth helped. But what if the blackmail ring was being run at the behest of national security agencies. Now that's crazy. I know that sounds like a conspiracy theory. Doesn't that sound like a conspiracy theory, Pasovic? Well, all of a sudden we find pages of the Wall Street Journal that on Epstein's secret calendar, he was holding meetings with the head of the CIA. So let me ask you, which sounds crazier? the people that are trying to put together what was actually going on and continues to be going on behind closed doors or the people that were actually doing it? It's a simple question, all right? It's a very simple question. Why is the head of the CIA meeting with someone who ran an elite child sex ring? Please explain that to me. I have still not had one single person, one authority figure in on the record, off the record, in public and private, explain to me why it is that so many high level people were meeting. And I'm not talking about in the past. I'm talking about this was almost a decade after these allegations were known. These stories were known. He had been arrested. He was sent to jail in Palm Beach. At one point, all of this was out in the open. He, they all still continued working with him. Why was that? Why was that? Is it because, as we were told early on in Senate hearings, that because he was connected to the intelligence community? Interesting. 
On the heels of the second largest bank failure in the United States history, with the eighth interest rate hike within a 12-month period, 186 more banks are at risk of collapsing. Your bank could be next unless the Fed does what they just did back in March and print $300 billion with a B out of thin air making your dollar worthless. Not to mention the recession risk that could have a significant impact on your investment and retirement accounts. Take my advice. Protect your financial future with something real, gold and silver, from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Look, since the beginning of time, there's only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold is the highest rating in the industry, five stars at TrustLink, a AAA rating with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can invest with confidence because of the quality and service of Allegiance Gold. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwithposo.com. Don't let the Fed play Monopoly with our money. Protect your future with AllegianceGold.com. Visit protectwithposo.com. I am, Sean, and it's a brave whistleblower who brought us, uh, came forward and told us about what was going on in the Richmond field office. They were looking, the FBI in the Richmond field office was looking to put sources in churches, have informants in Catholic parishes. That's what they were looking to do. Someone needs to give them a lesson in the First Amendment. This memorandum that they put together that we now have, a, uh, now have, this memorandum talks about doing just that, and it was signed off on by two senior analysts and the chief division counsel there. How can a lawyer sign off on something like And frankly, but for the whistleblower, I don't know that this wouldn't still be going on. And this thing was sent out to all the other field offices. Now, stop and think for a second. Yesterday was probably more Americans in church than any other day of the year. The day we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. More millions of Americans going to church. Now, what if this FBI thing would have been carried out? There would be people in the church spying on fellow parishioners, fellow, fellow churchgoers. That, that's what they were looking to do. That's how scary this is, what they've done to the First Amendment. Well, there's new information out of the Daily Signal. Exclusive Latin mass churchgoers witnessed suspicious activity after the FBI's, quote, radical traditional Catholic memo. So after the memo that Jordan is talking about right there, we've got new information out. This is from the great Tyler O'Neill. If you're not following him, make sure you do at Tyler to O'Neill Twitter or on Twitter. So listen to this. Parishioners at a Latin mass Catholic church in rural northern Virginia witnessed what they call suspicious activity from what looked like FBI vehicles in February, a month after the FBI Richmond's office published a now rescinded internal memo focused on radical traditional Catholics. I love this. Radically traditional Catholics. What are they playing, praying in Latin too loudly? In nomine Padre et Filio et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. It's radically traditional. Um, the witnesses, two witnesses, told the Daily Signal that they saw two cars approach the church drive through the parking lots as if they were writing down license plate numbers, then leave on two separate instances outside of the Immaculate Heart of Mary Chapel in Linden, Virginia, about 63 miles west of Washington, D.C., between February 12th and February 26th. The memo itself had been published on January 23rd and then rescinded on February 9th. An anonymous source to The Daily Signal wrote, I saw a black Ford car with with dark tinted windows and a knob-like antenna on the top, one parishioner uh, said. It was driving very slowly by all the cars, and I could see a laptop in the center front. 
could not see the person inside and I never, they never got out. And on the second, uh, the second case, the individual said, I saw a white Chevy Tahoe with very tinted windows and lots of antennas driving slowly through the parking lot. Looked like a male. He had a lap open laptop in the middle of the car. I'm not sure he was typing as the window was very dark. Never got out of the car. By the time I saw him, he was on his way out and drove back towards the highway after pulling out. Not sure he was there. We were all inside. So he must have been going around. We were all inside mass catechism. And of course, this being that they that it was just after this memo came out, they think it may have been the FBI. Now, Chris Ray, of course, has been saying again and again that, oh, he doesn't think it was the FBI. It's not possible it was the FBI. Right? All right, so let me explain how this works. In a situation like this, if you're about to, to open up an investigation into subordinates of an, of an organization or uh, specific individuals in an organization, typically what you would do, or, or plant people in an organization, typically what you would do is that FBI field office would reach out to the higher ups at that organization, discuss it with them, uh, socialize it with them, get them to understand what's going on, get their sign off if possible, so that you can at least have uh, some type of buy-in from the leadership. It would just go easier that way. I mean, the whole thing would just go much easier if they understand why there are these weird cars with antennas driving through the parking lots. So the higher ups already know, so that way, even if you have a situation where people are you know, reaching out saying, hey, some, some weird stuff is going on, then at the higher level, they can pretend they have no clue, but, that, but in reality, they actually do know. Uh, this, is, this is standard operating procedure for these types of investigations, a standard operating procedure for these types of operations. Now, if that were to happen out of Richmond or the Richmond area, now that would generally be you'd be looking essentially at the bishop of the area. If you look at the bishop of Richmond right now, who now look and and another thing just on the Catholic side, I understand that uh, SSPX is not exactly they don't exactly operate under the bishop, but just understand that from the FBI's perspective, that's who they would reach out to so that the bishop knew what was going on. So I'm not discussing the SSPX's relationship with the bishop, with the Vatican, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm talking about is the way the FBI works. And the way the FBI works is they would have reached out to the bishop. And the bishop in this situation, if you notice, has been completely silent. Where's the bishop of Richmond on the FBI Richmond targeting of their parishioners? Why was the bishop silent on this? This guy didn't say a word, no statement, no nothing. And so you got to ask yourself, was the silence out of cowardice? Was the silence out of meekness? Uh, out of, of, or I should just say weakness, rather, because a lot of people get that word wrong in the Bible. They think weakness and meekness are synonymous. It's not true. Meekness actually means discipline in the biblical sense. That's not what Jesus was talking about. But what the other possibility simply would be is that the bishop knew about it all along, and that's why the bishop didn't say anything. So we should all send messages to the Bishop of Richmond and asking, why are you not standing up for your parishioners? Why haven't you said anything publicly? Why haven't the U.S. bishops in general put out a statement against the FBI targeting Catholics? And the question is, did you know? Is that the reason that you haven't said anything? You haven't come out? And the Bishop of Richmond, kind of an interesting guy, former auxiliary bishop of Washington, D.C., used to work for the NSA, used to work directly for 
Ted McCarrick, one of the highest level pedophiles in America. And so the question now, it's a big statement. Oh, I didn't have no idea. I don't have anything to do with this. But why is it then that you have so many ties to Washington, D.C., so many ties to everything that's going on? And just a simple question. Why haven't you put out a statement on the FBI's targeting of Catholics in the Richmond area? I really want to know the answer to this. I need to know the answer to this. Why hasn't the Bishop of Richmond spoken out on the targeting of Catholics in Richmond? It's a national story. You know what, Jim Jordan, I just you know, since we're subpoenaing people, since we're going to subpoena and send letters, you should subpoena the Bishop of Richmond, have him come in and testify. Let's see if he'll testify before the Congress. Let's have him come in and say, would you would you be willing to come in on a voluntary basis? We're looking at this thing. We're trying to figure out what was going on. Would you testify as a witness? What did you know and when did you know it? After being treated like a joke, after the lawsuits and the financial penalties, where is this going? Do you have like an end in sight? Like if 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 they're if the machines don't go away, we're done. The country's over. It doesn't matter. Donald I'm Trump saying, will your advocacy? Do you have a limit to your advocacy? Are you only going to spend X amount of money? Is I'm going to spend the- more. I'll keep borrowing money like I am now until I will sell everything I have down to everything. Everything. Nothing's going to stop nothing Mike Lindell. Nothing will stop me. Nothing. Nothing. Do you know what? They came to Minnesota, and they interviewed people around there. And they said, "When would he give up? When's he going to give up?" And you know what they said? They said, you'd have to kill him. That's what they told. Mm -hmm. And that's fact. So the New York Times uh, podcast, um, Astrid Herndon, went and did an interview with Mike Lindell. And it went pretty much the way that you would think. Um, You know, uh, I was actually on the same very same podcast um, because New York Times was walking around when so when Trump was arrested up in New York City in Manhattan at the Manhattan courthouse, so I'm out there and with the producers, and you know we're in this huge security bubble. Uh, you couldn't go in, you couldn't come out for a while. No bathroom breaks, no snacks, no lunch unless you'd brought something with you. Bring some power bars, you know, when you're going on location like that. That's what I do, and um, you know, a couple of Quest bars in the pocket, you know, goes a long way, and. So he was going around doing interviews and getting some kind of sight and sound of the area. And I, you know, had walked up to me, recognized me and said, hey, do you want to do you want to come on? I said, yeah, sure. No problem. So we did an interview. We talked about Trump. We talked about how, you know, how he is. And so I'll I'll give him credit. I'd like to give um, I'd like to give him credit because what Herndon does is actually talk to us and actually talk to people on. Um, now he probably wouldn't view it this way, but we would view someone on the other side. And so a lot of the times when I get coverage by mainstream media, it's it's almost it, it feels like they're talking about uh, like a wild animal in the zoo or something like, oh, look at the look at the interesting Pesobic. Look at the Lindell. Look at the Bannon. Look at the Trump. And uh, the, the Trumps, they always talk about Trump supporters this way, too, by the way. They say, look at the Trump supporter wearing their red hats, drinking their big gulp. You know, and it's it's this, uh, it's, it's this very, you know, passive, disconnected, um, analytical, critical kind of eye to the whole thing. 
But what I appreciate about him, what I appreciate about him is that he'll actually have a conversation with us. And whether or not he agrees with all of the things that we say and we believe, he'll actually at least give us the benefit of hearing us in our own words and playing our own words for the New York Times audience. And that's an audience that I think, honestly, just like the CNN audience, like the MSNBC audience, is totally gaslighted by the major editorial bent of those outlets because they're so completely insane that they won't allow you to have a different point of view. That unless you completely agree with 100% of the things that the narrative supports, doesn't exist, doesn't even exist. And so when, when I've done a million times is to say, when you have one of these situations, I'll go in, I'll do the interview, but we make sure that we've got a camera rolling ourselves. And that's what we did when I was on the street there, because I don't want somebody cutting me up. And if I've got something spicy to say, then to make it, I'm sounding like I'm saying something else. And it doesn't sound like that's what they did to Lindell here. Now, of course, to Mike Lindell, the founder of the Air Lindells, the founder of the My Pillow, the creator of the My Pillow, the only guy on the planet who's cooler than the other side of the pillow, Mike Lindell. For him to sit down and give an interview like that to the New York Times, he said exactly what we knew he would say. Folks, if you want to stop me, you got to kill me. Because that's the kind of guy Mike Lindell is. And I think that on some level, there are actually people out there who think that, you know, on the other side, who disagree with him, who say, it's oh, it's, he's doing this all for money. He's doing this all for fame. He's doing this all for his own personal fortunes. Are you kidding me right now? Do you have any idea how much money, personal money and the money of the MyPillow company that Mike Lindell has lost? while being in this fight, not just for election integrity, but the fight for our country remaining a free republic. Because I've talked before so many times about how we've fallen into a regime. And I believe, I, I personally do believe that, that the United States is now living under a regime-like government. But the way out of it is very simple. <laughs> it's it's hard, right? But it's simple. We have to look at it with clarity. We cannot simply say, oh, we got to go back. Oh, we got to go back. And conservatives do this all the time. They don't want to fight. They want to they want to practice tolerance like that's some kind of Christian virtue. Let me be very clear about this for a second, folks. Tolerance is not a Christian virtue. Christ never called for tolerance. Not once, not ever. Tolerance is not one of our virtues. And by the way, while we're on the subject, pride is one of the seven deadly sins. Got a whole month dedicated to that now, yet it's the very first one of the seven deadly sins. It's the first sin, as a matter of fact. When I look at where we are, you have to defeat the regime, that's number one, and then you can begin the work of creating and instituting a new American republic. And that's what we have to do. We need to found the new American Republic, and it's going to take fighters like Mike Lindell to get us there. Not people who rest back and say, ah, you know, people can do what they want. Let's let bygones be bygones. No, it's going to take fighters. And look, if this guy fights with slippers and pillows and sheets, 
blankets, mattress toppers, which by the way, I'm missing my my slippers a lot right now. We didn't take them on the trip. And I just got to say, I love those things. Tanya Tay was roasting me online recently for, uh, for wearing them while driving. But you know what? Hey, we had somewhere to be. I had one. It is what it is. If that's the way he fights, that's the way he fights. It's as simple as that. And it's going to take everyone we got in order to fight this out. So if we're going to take a pillow guy, then we're going to take a pillow guy. We're going to take him 100%. 100%. We're not going to quit. We're not going to waste any time because we don't have time to waste. So, you know, Donald Rumsfeld isn't the kind of guy that I always agree with, but there was something he said I agree with. You go to war with the army you got. And if I got a pillow guy, a real estate developer out of New York, then that's exactly who I'm going to go to war with. Because these are the people it takes to fight and win. Business leaders, entrepreneurs, People who understand how bad it's gotten in our country, understand what it takes to get our country back to what it must become. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.